0: we My name is Thomas. <laughs> <coughs> but you can call me Tom. okay <clears throat> um, I also am on staff at Calvary, and normally on one of our other campuses, usually in Boulder, uh, but it's my privilege, genuinely privileged to be here this morning, to open the Word of God with you. Um, my role at Calvary has been going on for a while, and whenever I come back to Erie, it always feels like. Dad's coming home to see how the kids are doing, and, uh, or now maybe now Grandpa is coming home. But I love being here, and I love what's happened at our church. Our church has three campuses in Boulder, Erie, and Thornton, and in the last year, a lot has happened for us as a church, and we have seen God's blessing and growth in our ministry. We had our annual meeting this week. Uh, last Sunday morning, 74 new members joined Calvary across our three campuses. And Monday night, we approved our annual budget of uh, $5.5 million for the next year. You don't have to give it all this morning, but it's like for the, for the year, we're trusting that God will do something great in uh, our three campuses over the next year. We elected new officers, and we're off to a, a great year. And I love what's happening on this campus. There's something very special happening in this town. I was thinking 17 years ago is when we sent 200 members from the Boulder campus to Erie High School, and we started setting up church every Sunday morning at Erie High School. That was 17 years ago, and look what's happened. It's cool. It's great. To God be the glory. Let's not mess it up. Right? <laughs> this, this is a beautiful town that needs Jesus, and we get to be here. And what happens here on Sundays and throughout the week is part of God's mission to build Christ-centered communities who are fully devoted to loving God and loving others. That's all we want to be about. We want to make disciples, and power leaders, and multiply the church. And your part in it is awesome. And whenever I come back here, I, I just love to see some of you I don't know. Uh, a lot of you I don't know, but I'm glad you're here. We're going to turn back to our study in the book of Daniel. Have you enjoyed it so far? It's been awesome. We're going to go to chapter three. The problem with preaching Daniel, uh, the first six chapters in six weeks, is you have to do a whole chapter in one week, and that's hard, but we're going to move fast. So if you have your Bible, Daniel chapter three is where we're going to be. My wife has a car. I don't like it. I bought it for her, but I don't like it because it has a feature called a lane departure warning. Do any of you have that? I really hate that uh, because I'm a, free, I'm a free driver. I like to drive, and if I get close to the yellow line, I don't want to be told about it. I have not had an accident, thank you, Lord, and I don't want to have an accident, but if you get close to the yellow line or the white line, it beeps at you. That's annoying. I, I really, I don't drive it very often, and I have it turned off in mine. so uh, what's that for? It's to keep you safe. It's to keep you on target. It's to keep you moving in the right direction. And God gave a word to his people that would keep them in the lane. And there would be a warning that would go off if they drifted out of it. And God still gives these warnings to us today. We live by them. We live a a flourishing life if if we live by those warnings. The greatest warning that God gave, it is the most central message of the Old Testament, and you find it again in the New Testament. The reason we're in the book of Daniel, where God's people are in captivity for 70 years, is because they crossed the line. And the line was, you shall have no other gods before me. Here it is in Exodus, Exodus chapter 20 verse 3 and 4, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am the Lord your God. I am a jealous God for I the Lord your God am a jealous God. I'm jealous for you Because you are mine. We heard that this morning, as Scott told us. God loved us enough to create us in his image. He loved us when we sinned, so that he sent his son. We belong to him by creation and redemption and destiny. We are his. He loves us. And his word from the very beginning was, the one thing that will get you out of the lane of my love is if you have other gods before me. This is the Ten Commandments, the first two. You'll have no other God, you'll make no other image, you will not worship anything else. But it turns out that what it means to be human is we love beauty, we love value, we love uh, what is glorious, and we are drawn to worship and ascribe a weight to something. Whatever it is we find to be beautiful, and if it's not God, guess what? It's something else. God made this command very clear to his people. Um, in fact, he told every family, when you wake up in the morning, you shall say to your children, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And that's the word you tell your children. We love God. What we need in this world is a group of people wake up every morning and say we love God first. Children this is who we are. We love God first. We're going to put it on our doorpost. We're going to put it on our clothes. We're going to put it in the minivan. We're going to put it everywhere we go. We belong to God and we love him. Israel was trained in that. We love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and might. And it turns out that when you come to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul takes an elaborate passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 1 to describe that when you do not acknowledge God for who he is, even though you know there is a world that he created, and the world itself is general revelation to tell us that there is a God who is almighty, who is powerful, who is present, who is the creator of all things, if you ignore him... What happens is our internal tendency to want to worship turns inward on ourselves. And we will worship anything if not God. In fact, the way the Romans puts it in Romans chapter 1, verse 24, even though they did not love God or acknowledge him, God gave them up to the lusts of their heart, to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves because... Why? Why was this whole proliferation of immorality? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. And everybody said, okay, the people of God know that God is blessed forevermore. And if you reject God and if we move off him being the center, we will be drawn to worship something else. And when that happens, chaos erupts. Because we were made for God. Should we close in prayer? (laughs) That's the message. That's the message. God sends a beep if idolatry creeps in. In fact, Daniel chapter 3, God's people are in captivity because of idolatry. And here they are in a foreign land because of idolatry, And now, these these three young men, not counting Daniel, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are going to be challenged in the issue of worshiping the wrong God. And they're going to take a stand. It's a great story. How many of you grew up in church and you saw a flannel graph about the fiery furnace? Okay, for all of you who are churchers, you, you grew up in church and you've heard this story a lot, um, you're thinking flannel graph. But I just want to acknowledge, I know some of you have not been around church, maybe ever, and you're, you're coming in because you know something's happening here. Welcome. This story is a horror story. For, for if you didn't grow up in church and see it on soft flannel, it is a scary story. And I want it to sort of land... For those of you who are really familiar with it, in the way, if you were just hearing this for the first time, this is a terrifying story with a bad dude named Nebuchadnezzar, who's king. You have your Bible open? Why don't you look for a minute at chapter 2, verse 47. This was the end of last week's message in which Daniel answers What's my dream? What's the interpretation? He tells the interpretation. And in verse 47, the king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, king of kings, a revealer of mysteries. You've been able to reveal my dream. Let that soak in. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, Daniel, your God is the God above every other God, the king above every other king, the Lord above every other Lord. And three verses later, chapter 3 verse 1, and Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits in in height and in breadth six cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, justices, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And, they're all repeated again, they gathered together for this ceremony, verse 4, and the herald proclaimed, You are commanded, O people, nations, languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you're to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, at the end of chapter 2, said, Yours is the God above all gods. And then suddenly, something turned in his heart. And he makes this huge statue. And he commands everyone in the nation to bow down to it. Now, you see that it's repeated a bunch of times that there are all these official people. They are the leading politicians, governors, judges, authorities. They're the educated elite. It's everybody who's anybody, and they're all required to bow down. Verse 7, then, therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the hornpipe, lyre, tigran, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This is a comprehensive verse. Lots of music, lots of different instruments. Uh, We should try to see if we can find a trigon, Scott, and see if we can get that in here for next week. But it says, every kind of all the people, all the nations, all the languages, anyone who is anybody, is going to bow down. They're committed to doing whatever is necessary to survive King Nebuchadnezzar's decree. We've heard this word in our world, but this is totalitarianism. This is that the state has all control and is going to force everyone to comply with its wishes, and it prohibits any opposition or dissent. And so every person comes, and if you want to continue to be somebody in society... No compromise is too great. You will bow down to this image. And it's really a whatever-it-takes mentality to survive. So there's the abandonment of all judgment, of all critical thinking, of all common sense. And to survive, everybody bows down. Everybody. They are culturally conditioned and unable to resist the collective pressure, the peer pressure, You will bow down, and everybody does, except three. Let's keep reading. Therefore, at the time, verse 8, when certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews, and they said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, remember that decree you made, that, you know, when you blow the music and the horn, everybody needs to bow down and worship? And remember, you said verse eleven: everyone who doesn't fall down will be cast into the fiery furnace. Well, verse twelve: there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O King, pay no attention to you, for they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Tattletales, and they go and they tell the king: you made this decree. And there are certain people who are not complying with the decree that you made. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can we take a moment? Who's missing? Daniel's not there. Let's just, let's just think about uh, what that means. Probably Daniel was traveling. He was the prime minister. He was likely out of the country. That's my guess. But he's not there. It's just... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what I think that means is this. Daniel has been seen to be the leader, but he's he's mentoring these guys. He's not there. The boss isn't there. What are we going to do? And you know what? They did it. They took a stand without their leader. And I love that it's a picture that It doesn't matter who you follow. It matters what you do. And here are these three young men. Remember, they're probably, maybe they're 18 now at the most. And they are the ones who are being challenged and accused here, even though Daniel's not there. Well, Nebuchadnezzar finds out about this, verse 13. He's in a furious rage, and he sends for them to be brought into his presence And he says in verse 14, is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Verse 15, he gives them a second chance. Verse 15 says, now if you're ready when you hear the sound of the music, blah, 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 you fall down and you worship the image that I have made. If you do that, well and good. You're good to go. But if you do not worship, you will be immediately cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? What hubris. And he is an egomaniac. Can you imagine a leader who's an egomaniac? (laughs) He's so full of himself, so narcissistic. He will not abide by someone not complying with his command. And he taunts. Think chapter 2, verse 47. Who is the God who can save you from me? He is forgetful, at least, from what he said, that yours is the God of gods who reveals all these mysteries. No one will be able to let you out of my hand. If you don't agree with the king and the whole cultural movement, Can you imagine living in a society where if you don't believe with the whole cultural momentum, you will be punished? Can you imagine living in a place like that? Hmm? That if you don't move with the whole societal, political, authoritative pressure in the world in which you live, you will be punished. Punished. You're tracking with me, right? It's coming. This is a picture for us. But they say, we won't. Let's keep going. They um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 18, answered and said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Uh, There's nothing we can say. I don't think they're being rude. I think they're simply saying, um, we're not going to try to retreat. We're not going to try to flee. I have nothing to say about this to you. If so be, verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I think they thought, we're gods. He's going to deliver us. He's able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. Most people think this was a lime kiln, which was a huge box. And it had um, an opening in the top with an inclined slide that would push the fuel down into this box. And at the front of it was a big opening um, so that you could remove the ashes or the lime after the burn. And they would burn it. It was, it was probably huge. So that's why there's an opening in the top with a slide and then a, a window in the front, which we're going to get to. But God's going to deliver us from that. And then he says, but even if he doesn't, verse 18, let it be known to you, O king, if not, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I'd circle that in your Bible. Let it be known to you, even if God does not rescue us. Let it be known to you, O king, We will not bow. We say those words together. We will not bow. Some of you aren't enthusiastic about saying that. (laughs) I think Daniel just, uh, the boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, took a deep breath and just said, if he doesn't, we will not bow. We will not bow. Of course, this infuriated Nebuchadnezzar, all the more filled with fury. I love this picture. It reminds me of my mother. His expression of his face was changed. Again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I don't know what his face contorted to, but you could tell anger all over his face. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than usual. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fire. Verse 21, Then these men were bound in their cloaks their tunics, their hats, their garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. I think they kept their clothes on so that they would be accelerated faster, but they were bound in their hands. And because the king's order was so urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the flames killed the fire of the men who brought the three young men to the furnace. And they threw them, bound them into the fiery furnace. This is the horror story of it. You can just see those three bodies going down the slide into this fire, bound. We will not bow, even if it costs us our life. Well, what happens next? Verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste, looking in the opening in the front, and he declared to his counselors, didn't we cast three men in there? And they said, true. Verse 25, and he answered, but I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Oh, man. How good is that? Nebuchadnezzar came near, verse 26. And he came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the... Everybody? Okay, this is a place where there are pagan deities everywhere. There are gods who are ranked. And if you were an army, you knew you were in charge because your god was the greatest... Nebuchadnezzar was in charge of this empire because his gods, Murdoch, Nebo, were the greatest gods in the deity system. And look at his words Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here, come hither. He's still giving orders. Come out of there and come to me. And they did. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors, verse 27, gathered together and see that the fire had not the power to hurt their bodies of these men's. The hair on their heads was not singed, and their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Like the proof is in their exit from the flame. And there they are, and they show up there, and they are unscathed. Not the hair on their head, not their hats, not their tunic. Just whatever bound them is gone. And you saw that, right? There's one other in the fire, standing with them, walking about in there, and his appearance is like the son of the gods. I don't think it could be possible that Nebuchadnezzar could say that's the son of God, Jesus Christ, but that it is of God what is divine, and he later refers to it as angelic. I don't know if it was an angel with those three or whether it was really a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. I tend to think that's what it was, that Christ was with them in that. But whether it was Christ or an angel, the presence of God was with these three as they took a stand and drew a line and said, we will not bow, and God put them in there. Now, I ask you something. Are these guys the rule? The rule? Or the exception? They're likely the exception. Not everybody who takes a stand survives the consequences of the stand. But in this case, to make a point to an egomaniac, God shows up in the furnace with them and there is a third one, a fourth one, walking around with these three in there. And they all can't believe it. They they can't even get the smell, the sense of smell about them. I have a green egg. I love to cook on the green egg. But if I cook on the green egg, I have to take a shower before I get in bed with my wife because it stinks. And they got, you know, you can just see these, all these rulers and officials are sniffing them out, saying there's not even a sense of smell to them. Why? Because God was with them. So what happens? Two more verses. Verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. And everybody said, Man, that's the whole nutshell of the story, that finally this leader says, Blessed be your God who prompted you to say, I would rather die than give my allegiance to someone else, and I'm willing to pay the price and the cost of it. Okay, are there any questions? How about that for a Bible story for kids? <laughs> How about it for adults? What's the point? The point is you shall have no other gods before me. Let me see if I can just draw a couple of principles that will be good for us tomorrow. This time tomorrow, what if one of the things that we thought about, we've been calling the series winsome living. I, don't, I think of courage when I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But you remember when they said to the king, he said, well, God's going to save us, but even if he doesn't, we're good. We're good. There's something winsome about that. He didn't attack him. He didn't assail him. I would say, first of all, that winsome living sometimes means standing up when everybody else is bowing down. We live in a culture that's moving in a direction right now that is going to get harder and harder to stand up for the things that are God's. But if 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 you are a lover of God, there is going to come a day when you're going to have to draw a line and say, this is where I stand and I can go no further. Would you agree? Yeah. We're in it. It's now. It's here. I don't think the fiery furnace is ahead for you, but ridicule, scorn, rejection might be and may be fired. Daniel's a model for us that winsome living sometimes requires standing up when everybody else is bowing down. Listen, it wasn't enough for Nebuchadnezzar to say, you do you and we'll do this idol. Remember the statement? If you're older, you, you heard it was a Beatles song, uh, live and let live. Live and let live has died. Now you must comply And if you don't comply, you will be punished. You tow the company line, you speak the cultural narrative, or you're punished. And if you don't, you're the problem, you're the immoral person. This is the day that's coming for Christians in America. I'll be gentle with you, but I think we're going to be called upon at certain times to take a stand and say, we will not bow when everybody else is bowing down. Winsome living knows that that's going to come, and we say, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. Second, winsome living knows that we never stand alone. The great song, there's another in the fire standing next to me. Should we sing that, Scott? Yeah? No? No. (laughs) Winsome living knows we never stand alone. It was Jesus who said, I will never leave you or forsake you. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's true. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will... A little weak, but that's true. I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil if I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And. That's right. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know that. In fact, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 14, when Jesus was leaving, I'll just share something. You write this down, John chapter 14 and verse 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll stay between the lines. You'll have no other gods before me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. I'm going away, but I'm going to pray to my Father. He's going to give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you, and he shall be with you, I will not leave you as orphans. Why? I, I want to be with you. And the way Jesus is with us today, when we are faced with a fiery furnace or some kind of challenge, is that we know the Spirit of God is with us in that moment. Winsome people know that we never stand alone, Right? Last, winsome living understands the cost and the reward. There'll be a cost and a reward to standing. The greatest miracle was not that God brought them out of the fire and had them prolong their life there. The greatest miracle is that they knew in their heart that they would be with him in the world to come. We're all going to die, whether we die as martyrs whether we die because we're persecuted. The issue is not how long we live in this life, but whether we live in the life to come, whether we know that he is our Savior, whether he knows that so shall we ever be with the Lord. What are the consequences if we don't stand? It's probably rejection. But this is what God always called for. God always called for his people. You need to make a decision. What's your decision going to be? Remember when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments? Some of you remember this. And when they, he went up to get the Ten Commandments, what happened down at camp? Oh, we just put this stuff together and a cow came out. And it was a golden calf and we started to worship it and things went crazy. Uh, that's because the heart wants to worship. And Moses came down he said, listen, you have gone off the rails. Choose this day who you're going to serve. If you're with me and God, come over here. You have to make a decision. And the decision we have to make is God, you're my God. I, I trust in you no matter what. And my heart wants to give itself to other stuff, but I know the good life is to give my life to Jesus. Now, you may be here today and you know what you say, well, I. I would never bow down to an idol, right? I would never be drawn to a statue. So idolatry has gone. No, actually, some cultures have internalized idolatry, and we live in that kind of culture. We, we live in what we imagine. Our idols might be the approval of people. I will be I will live for what other people think about me. I will live for money. I will live for pleasure. I will live for substance. I will live for success. I will live for popularity, prestige. What suddenly becomes the idol of my life that is placed before God? You say, this is a silly story about idolatry. We don't have it. Oh, hold the phone. We don't have external idols in the same sense of probably being drawn to a statue, but our hearts are places that are drawn to worship lesser things. And we just look at these three men and say, Lord, let us not bow down to the wrong things. I hope you never face the fiery furnace, but we're going to face trials. And we need to know that the Lord is with us in our trial, no matter what. We need to know what the cost is and what the reward is that we shall always be with the Lord, and you know we just need to know that we're not going to be exempt from these suffering days but are you ready i think all of this was told us to us that we would that we would hear the little warnings is your heart for god or is your heart for something else let's pray together that god will make us lovers of god father thank you that you give us a word that helps us understand your love for us your love for us when we're broken Your love for us when we love the wrong things, and you just draw us back. And today I pray you'll draw back anybody who's made an idol of something less than you, whether that's, well, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, speak to us on the things we love more than God. And when the external pressure comes, might we just have the internal conviction that we shall love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. Lord Jesus Christ. Give us grace to hear what you say to us today. In Jesus' name we pray.